0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of my K-drama show. Thank you for tuning in this week to to listen to me waffle on about K-drama. And let me tell you, that is what I intend to do. (laughs) So the K-drama that I will be waffling on about today is called W Two Worlds Apart. Uh, In Hangul, it's called W. W. Huh. Direct translation then. There you go. Uh, so, this drama is slightly older, and by that I mean not actually that old, really. It's from 2016. It's a 16 episode fantasy romance, but I want to say lots of like almost thriller aspects as well. There's a lot of guns and shooting and jumping, <laughs> serial killers, but it's certainly a fantasy romance, I feel at heart. Uh, This one was, I mean, I almost feel like this is a bit of a classic. It was really, really big when it came out in 2016. I remember there was so much buzz about it, Um, but I never watched it until now, many years later, Um, and I guess I'll get into that in a sec. Um, I suppose I'll start with my overall kind of feelings around W2 Worlds Apart. Um, This one is a wild ride. It is really, really fun. It is so fast paced. It's extremely unique. I don't think I've ever watched anything like it. Um, And because it is so unique, it really kept me guessing. Um, I had had no idea where things were going or what was going to happen. And I feel like every single episode had like multiple twists in it. And I just, I don't know, it really was very I suppose a really interesting ride in terms of, I suppose if you've watched a lot of K-dramas, a lot of K-dramas do have a similar framework, which, you know, is something that I love. We're talking about tropes and things like that, you know, like if you sit down to watch a modern romance drama, like they're all going to be different, but they're not, you know, maybe going to have so many twists and turns that you literally do not know what's going to happen next. So that felt very fun, I think, just how unique this drama is. And I guess that's to do with the writing. I think the writing is just very tight. Like the mad twists in this were kind of unbelievable, I think. Um, So why I watched W Two Worlds Apart. So like I said, uh, when it came out in 2016, I was an avid K-drama viewer, and I remember enormous amounts of buzz around this one. Everyone was like, it's so good, you've got to watch it, and then I just didn't watch it. Um, I don't really know why, except I feel like for a couple of years there, I was going through this weird phase where I was like, do I like fantasy romance dramas? Uh... And I think I thought I kind of didn't, but I've really had a resurgence on that now. And I've watched a lot of those kind of dramas um, over recent years. And I do like them. I really, really like them. I think they're great. So I wonder if maybe that genre kind of turned me off at the time. And also, I think the casting at the time wasn't something that particularly excited me. Uh, And I'll talk about that more when I get to the casting, which is kind of interesting because now, you know, as I've watched this now, the casting is great. It's actually really, really good. And I think really suits the characters and I really liked it. But anyway, I'll talk about that. Um, but the real reason that I watched it now after all these years and kind of delve back into it uh, was because this one was a K-drama club watch with my friend Lizzie, um, who I met through this podcast. We watch dramas together now, um, which is, you know, the amazing joy of, Having an actual K-drama community now, where I can talk about dramas and people can kind of share their favorites. So for Lizzie, this is an absolute favorite. I think she watched it. I'm pretty sure she told me she tried to get her son to watch it. I don't think that worked. Um, she did get her husband to watch it, and now she's got me to watch it. So Lizzie, you know, obviously is a big, big fan of this one. Um, and I was so glad actually that this was our K-drama club pick because I think it's one of those dramas that I honestly have no idea why, but I don't think I would have picked it up by myself. Um, I do love to go back, you know, um, and kind of look over the last 10 years or whatever, and look over all the dramas that have been out for the last 10 years and try and pick up on gaps of things that I didn't watch at the time. Like I don't, love only watching current dramas. I really want to kind of delve in and and kind of see all those ones that I miss, because honestly, there's so many K-dramas out every year. You couldn't possibly watch them all. So I just don't like the idea of wonderful, beautiful dramas slipping by and me not getting a chance to watch them. But, you know, even saying that, I don't know. You know, I might have gone back eventually, but I don't know if I would have been particularly drawn to pick this up, which is why I'm so glad when Lizzie suggested it for K-Drama Club, because I was like, yeah, you know, that's been on my list forever. That's one that I've always kind of said I wanted to watch, but never got around to. Um, And I really, really enjoyed it. I think... There's so much that I enjoyed about this drama, which I'll definitely talk about. But I think the thing that kind of surprised me the most was just how quick the pace is. Like, it's so breakneck in such a fun way. Breakneck does not sound fun. That sounds like a bad thing. (laughs) It was thrilling is what I'm trying to say. It was a real edge of your seat. And it was a really fun experience to be like, what? 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 Like every two minutes while watching this show. So I really enjoyed, I don't know, just being really thrown out of my comfort zone in terms of story and twists. And I thought the writing was really, really great, really tight. Um, just a really unique, weird, interesting story that I hadn't seen before. So that was super fun. Um, so now I move on to the casting of this drama. So I'm going to start with the male lead. So the male lead in this drama is played by the actor Yi Dong Sok. So Lee Dong Sok is uh, basically the very first drama I ever saw him on. Um, in on in mm. was many years ago. He was in um, School 2013. Would you believe it? But School 2013 came out in 2013. What a shock. <laughs> so he was one of the leads in that, along with um, Kim U-bin, who, and I think both at the time, you know, that they were very fresh faces. They're very new to K-drama land, um, but that was a big... Oh, it was like a big bromance drama. It was really dark and it had a lack of romance in it that really made me feel very unexcited, <laughs> if I'm honest. But it was my first Lee sok drama. And so I remember things sort of like blowing up around him and him getting super, super popular. But I think that drama, School 2013, which is part of obviously that, you know, the school hak series that we get one of those every few years. And I think we had one in 2021, which I haven't watched. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't love that one, School 2013. I did love Kim Woo-bin in it. I thought he was amazing. So I started kind of following him around K-drama land a bit more than Lee Dong suk And I wasn't really sure how I felt about Lee Dong suk in that drama, maybe his character. I honestly don't even remember. Um, But he was in another drama, I guess that same year. Wow. Which he was the lead actor in called I Can Hear Your Voice. And I never, ever watched I Can Hear Your Voice. But that was a huge hit. It's like a Nuna romance. It's a fantasy kind of romance, contemporary drama. Pretty sure he's like a school dude. Like you know, a student. That's what I'm trying to say. He's a student. He can see, hear this woman's thoughts, and then they fall in love. And it's supposed to be super, super swoony. But I was like, I don't know if I like him. I don't want to watch it. And then he was in a whole bunch of other stuff that I never watched. Um, I did give Pinocchio, which he starred in with Park Shin Hye, in 2014, ago. go. Um, but I don't remember really why. I never really got through that one. I think I just tried one episode or something. Which is one that I'm I'm kind of interested to revisit now because again Pinocchio was super popular, um, and then of course Lee Dong Suk was in this drama so W Two Worlds Apart in 2016. Um, he was in While You Were Sleeping uh, with Susie in 2017, another drama I haven't seen. And then so I feel like if I'm honest, I just he wasn't a he wasn't a dude I was following around K drama land, but he was also someone that maybe maybe I kind of was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really know. And so I can't, maybe I even avoided his drama. This is weird. So this is actually the first time, you know, I've had this, this K-drama podcast for like two years. And this is the very first time I think I've ever even talked about a Yi Jong-sok drama on this show. Um, on my Patreon, I've actually done like a huge in-depth kind of discussion on romance is a bonus book. Um, but not on this main show. So, and I guess for me, Romance is a bonus book, which is, you know, a a rom-com sort of office romance set in the publishing industry that came out in 2019. Um, Lee Jong-suk is the lead actor in that one. And that was a real turning point for me because I, I feel like I was actively avoiding him, which seems to be something that I do a lot. I get like ideas in my head that I don't like certain people and then I don't want to watch their dramas. And then, you know, I sort of, for whatever reason, get forced into Watching one of their dramas, and I'm like, "Oh, they're fine," or "They're great," even. Um, So it was very interesting for me. I tried romance as a bonus book, and super enjoyed it. I thought that was just such a fun rom com. It was much deeper and more emotional than I expected. And the romance was quite swoony. And I thought Lee Dong Suk was really, really good in it. I really liked him in it. So I think you know now uh, with W two worlds apart, um, which I kind of been avoiding, I suppose, for a while. When Lizzie suggested it, I was like, all right, I've gotten over my weird Yi jong thing and I can do this now because I like him, I do. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's who Lee jong is. So I have a thing. <laughs> Gosh, how embarrassing. Um, I wasn't going to, I shouldn't talk about this stuff, but I just feel that Lee jong I mean, this drama came out in 2016, right? W2 Worlds Apart. And in 2016, I feel like, was it not the height of the mushroom haircut, which is like when all the male leads had these little puff mushrooms on their heads and the puff mushroom would be sort of like shaved a bit tight around the back and the side, but a puff on the top. And the puff would come down like really severely straight cut over the eyebrows. So no visible eyebrows whatsoever. So I remember I started watching K-Drama's I don't know, like in what, 2010 or something. And I remember around that time, there was a whole different sort of sleek, sort of much longer haircut that was kind of in for all the dudes. And then suddenly it was like, I don't know when it was, but I don't know, 2012, 2013, 14. I have no idea. Suddenly the puff mushroom haircut was just the most popular haircut and was fucking everywhere. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> like what, what is this? I hate it. So, my my point of this is that Yidong Sok in this drama has a puff mushroom on his head, but sometimes when his character is trying to be extra suave and cool, he brushes it back and you can see his eyebrows and he looks great when you can see his eyebrows. Absolutely great. Um, I was like watching this whole drama and I'm like, it's so weird, like half the time I'm like, "Mm, no. And then other times I'm like, wow, he's so handsome. And I was trying to figure out like, what's going on? Like why from scene to scene? Am I having such a different reaction (laughs) to this character and his handsomeness? And suddenly I realized, oh, when I can see his eyebrows, I'm like, wow. And then when I can't see his eyebrows, I'm like, puff mushroom, (laughs) too much, don't like it, too puffy, and no eyebrows. Um, so that's my thoughts on the puff mushroom haircut that Lee jong has in this drama. You didn't ask for my thoughts, but you got them. And for that, I apologize. So anyway, he's the lead actor and he's in this drama. So the lead actress in this drama is Han Hyo-joo. So Han Hyo-joo, I had never seen it. Oh, okay. So that's not true. I'd actually seen her in a drama many, many years ago, and I just didn't twig that this was her. But more recently in 2021, I watched the drama Happiness, which is kind of like a zombie, I don't know, thriller, psychological thriller, lots of gore. So I guess just normal thriller. Anyway, it's a zombie drama that came out in 2021. So that's Happiness. And she plays the lead actress in that. And she is fucking brilliant in it. Like I, Adored her in that drama. She was so so amazing. Um, and then I actually thought I'd never seen her in anything before, but she was actually in Iljame. So Iljame, which came out in two thousand and eight, uh, which she I think she plays the second female lead in Iljame, which is a ijunghi drama where he plays, you know, a, a thief from Joseon who runs around and does stuff. It's a pretty old drama. But it was pretty fun, although the start was pretty not fun. Anyway, that's a different, it's a whole different thing. <laughs> I watched that one a long time ago, so I'd forgotten that I'd really ever seen her in a drama before. Um, so I really, really like uh, the actress uh, Han hoju in this drama. I think she is, I mean, she's beautiful. She's so beautiful to look at. And her character, I think, is, I want to say... Because there's this fantasy romance element and Lee Jong-suk's character is this, you know, more perfect than perfect, larger than life, you know, really perfect kind of character. But um, I think the drama really gives him a reason for being that way, as in he's literally the hero of a written story. So I think the actress Han Hyo-ju's character is more of an every woman. She's someone that you, she's sort of your eyes to this world. And she's the character that I guess you're along for the ride with her as she navigates this mad sort of fantasy crazy situation. Um, And she's also, I think, plays it for a lot of comedy in this drama, at least for the first half before things start getting like super dark. And she's like very upset a lot of the time, which is fair enough because, you know, all sorts of awful shit basically happens to her and everybody else in this entire drama. It's good fun. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I really, really liked her in this. I think she's very beautiful and I don't know, just kind of really fun, really relatable, really charming character. Um, So who else is in this? So I was going to say second male lead, but really just a side character played by the actor Yi Tae Hwan. He plays, um, you know, the main lead actor Yi Jong Suk's um, bodyguard dude. He sort of has a role, but it's not a huge role. Um, and then an actor called Kim E Song plays uh, the female leads Dad in this, and he is great in this um and very funny, I watched this, and I was like, "Who is this guy he's so good? why isn't he in more dramas like i didn't recognize him and then since then i've realized he's in like so many things um that i've watched since then he's actually got kind of a main role as a villain in Mr. Sunshine, which I did remember him from in the end um and he was also in a movie that I watched recently. That was called, what was it called? The King's Face? Or Face Reader, I think. Anyway, whatever. He's in stuff. Um, And then, that's kind of it. I guess I'll talk about other people if I need to as I go, but they're sort of the main players in this drama. So that's the casting. That was a huge waffle, wasn't it? Uh, Should you watch W2 Worlds Apart? Um, Yeah, I think this one's great. I think if you, even if, well, I was about to say like, if you like either of these actors, just watch it because they're great in it. Um, But even if, you know, that's not, I guess, a pull point for you, I think this one's worth delving into. Um, Maybe if you're a, a newer. I feel like if you've been watching dramas for a while, you've probably seen it because it's so it was so popular. I feel like people still talk about it now as kind of a, a classic staple. Like, I feel like this one's very, very famous, very popular. And I think it, it sort of stayed that way over the years. So I feel like if you've been watching for a while, probably you've already seen it. But I think if you're a newer K-drama watcher, as I know, you know, so many new K-drama fans um, who maybe discovered K-dramas, particularly during the pandemic, I think I feel like um, that's just a huge amount of people. That's their story of how they discovered K-dramas. So maybe, you know. If you haven't delved back into some older ones, um, this one would be a great one. I definitely think so. Um, like I said, it's fantasy romance. Um, it's very swoony. It's very fun. It's very twisty. It's very like edge of your seat. And I think I really liked the characters in it as well. So I, you know, it's just a really solid drama and it's a lot of fun, but it's also quite unique. I really don't think I've seen anything like it. So that makes it maybe a little bit special, I think. Um, All right. So I'm going to attempt to tell you guys a bit about the setup, but this, I mean, it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. So we'll see how I go. All right. So a W, two worlds apart, uh, basically, I don't remember how it opens, but this is this is the general gist of the story. Uh, so the female lead, uh, the actress Han Hyoju, plays a character called Yon, Yonju, oh Yonju. So Yonju is a doctor at a hospital or like, is she an intern doctor? I don't know how doctoring works. Um, presumably some listeners do and a... Uh, cringing now at my terrible, um, wording and, but anyway, she's a doctor person. She works in a big hospital and she's kind of, um, she's clearly not a high up doctor. Like she's still getting told what to do and all this kind of stuff. So, um, we find out pretty early that her dad, so her parents are divorced, they've split she lives with her mom, but she's still obviously still close to her dad. And her dad is, um, so her dad's character is named Song Moo, played by actor Kim Ri Song. Uh, I'm just going to call him her dad. Um, so he is a webtoon creator and we get the impression, uh, we kind of find out, I guess, as the drama goes along that there's been a bit of trouble in the family. Um, I think, um, you know, that's kind of caused the mum to leave and Yonju to go with the mom and stuff. But since then, the dad has become extremely successful as a webtoon artist and creator and his, uh, like series, like basically comic book series. Um, but it begins as a webtoon. Um, and then obviously, you know, gets picked up by publishers and then published in a physical sort of comic book form after that, but it's initially shown on the internet. Um, so it's, madly popular. Like, it sounds like it's the number one thing, as in there's big posters of the main characters in this webtoon, this comic book series on buses and, like, everywhere. Like, people are super crazy for it. It's been running for quite a few years. Um, so, you know, Yonju is at work and stuff, and people are always asking her, you know, like, so what's going on with the comic? Like, what, are you what's gonna happen? Like, you know, you got any spoilers and all this kind of stuff? Um, and then, uh, Yeonju's dad, who is, you know, the comic book artist goes missing. Um, so she's, you know, freaking out looking for him, but basically I suppose I do remember now how the drama actually opens. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm all over the place already. So I guess I'll tell you about what the comic is. So the comic is called W. I am pretty positive unless I'm a big fool that didn't understand or hear it, that no one in the drama ever tells you why the comic book is called W. I feel like I know why the drama I was watching was called W, because I feel like the shape of a W kind of looks like two connected worlds. Is that what it is? Like two different worlds apart? Uh, But I don't know why the comic was called W, but also it doesn't matter. So the whole drama basically opens with the story of the comic. Um, and the lead hero of this kind of, it's like a revenge thriller comic series is, you know, as we're seeing it in live action, is played by the actor Lee Jong-suk. And the main character in the comic series is called Kang Chul. So it opens with Kung Chu at like, I think he's at the Bloody Olympics and he's a shooting champion. So he has like a little special shooting champion gun and he's like, you know, right in the middle of a tournament basically and there's huge pressure. And he's, I think at this point he's meant to be only 16 years old. His dad is his, you know, special coach or whatever. And basically, it's all very tense and thrilling, and he absolutely kills it, and he wins. Like, I guess he wins a gold medal if it's the Olympics. And I guess if it isn't the Olympics, he doesn't win that. He wins something else. I don't know. I can't remember. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we kind of get the impression that the whole of Korea, like, loves this guy. Like, he's only 16. He's super good looking. He clearly has this really charming, lovely, loving relationship with his dad. And then the next thing we see is Kung Chul coming home one day to his house. And so I think he has, he's got a sister. I think that, yeah. So he has a sister and his parents are already in the house. And when Kung Chul arrives home, there's blood everywhere. And his parents and his sister have basically been murdered. Like it's super dark. And Kang Chul is arrested as the suspect of this, you know, really gruesome murder. People are like, you know, each of them was shot perfectly in the center of their forehead. Like everyone knows that Kung Chul, you know, is an amazing shooter. So that's a possibility that he could have. I think the the type, no one finds the weapon, I think, but the type of weapon is, you know, something again that points to Kung Chul. And then there's rumors that Kung Chul actually was kind of wanting to move away from these shooting tournaments and, you know, shooting as a sport, but his dad was really, who is his coach was really unhappy about this, and they'd been arguing. So Chul basically gets brought into the police station. We see all these like it's all very montage, but we see him getting um, interrogated by, I suppose, uh, a prosecutor. And this prosecutor is someone who pops up a lot in the rest of the drama, particularly towards the end. And he's played by an actor called Park Won-sung. And this actor is in. Fucking every drama you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, currently, as I watch this, uh, as I record this, I'm watching um, our beloved Summer, and he plays uh, the lead actor Taewook's dad in that one, and he plays a real sweetie in that one. Um, and in this one, he plays a real asshole. And that's acting for you folks. Apparently, <laughs> you play different characters. Um, if you didn't know, but you did know. Um, anyway, so basically, this prosecutor guy who I'll just call him the evil prosecutor guy. Is really like coming down hard on Kung Chul. Like, Kung Chul is so isolated, he's alone, like, he's super, super young, and his entire family has just been massacred. He doesn't know what to do, but everyone who loved him in the whole country is now turned against him. Um, And, you know, like, really ripping him apart in the media and the press, and like, you know, hounding him with tabloids, like, really intense stuff. Um, So, we find out that this lawyer is, you know, he's a bit of a hotshot and he really, really wants to get Kung Chul for this because it'll be a real career making move for him. He's very ambitious. And in the future, he wants to move into politics. And this is something that, you know, if he can sort of get Kung Chul convicted, this is a notorious enough case that it will get this evil lawyer's name in the press. It will make people take notice of him. And it's just a great sort of, I guess, first step in the direction that he wants his career to move into in the future. So he, I can't remember if he like literally fabricates evidence or not, but basically, or ignores evidence, I don't know what it is, but he does a really shitty sort of job and manages to get Kung Chul um, sent off to jail. Um, and Kung Chul is not, I guess, I mean, I'm not really sure how it works because eventually we kind of see through this montage that, you know, years later Kung Chul gets out of jail Um, so I don't know how that works. If you've been convicted for massacring your entire family, how you get out of jail after a few years, but maybe, maybe if they're still not sure you did it, but then would they send you to jail if they weren't sure? Uh, or because he was only 16 or 17 or something when it happened, maybe he was a minor, or it could be because this is a comic book, (laughs) this story that's happening in a comic book, or this story is also happening in a comic book, but the comic book is inside a K-drama. So there are lots of reasons (laughs) that um, Kung Chul might have got out of jail while he was still a young, handsome man and not a really old man. So anyway, Kung Chul gets out of jail, but, you know, everyone in the country hates him. Everyone's watching him. Um, He's completely devastated because his... um, his entire family is dead. And then he goes to a bridge, uh, over the Han river, I guess. And, you know, he's about to jump in. Basically he jumps in, but the very last minute he grabs onto the railing and he decides that he wants revenge. He decides that whoever did this, it's now his life's mission to find this person and get them back for what they have done, destroying his life, killing his family. So then we understand that the comic book is becoming, you know, a real revenge thriller. Um, And Kung Chul somehow manages to turn himself into, you know, a multi-billionaire dude who's the head of a CEO company thingy. I don't know if it's a security company or what it is, but he's obviously like feeding a lot of funds into searching for the killer and, you know, looking through evidence and trying to find out who did it. But even though he's been trying to do that for like, I don't know how many years, lots of years, um, he literally cannot find a shred of evidence pointing to who might be the culprit of this terrible crime. And, you know, meanwhile, kind of, I guess, the press and media and all the people love him again. You know, he's super handsome. He's super cool. He's always like doing like good Samaritan things, like saving grannies on the street. I don't know if that part's true, but you get the general gist. He's great. And I'm pretty sure he has his hair like pushed back and you can see his eyebrows and that's why he's so handsome. (laughs) Um, But that might just be me. I don't know. Uh, So anyway, that's kind of what the comic is doing um, at the start of the drama. And we do find out later on, like I'm skipping around, but I'll just try and tell you sort of the story, the story, the story in a linear way. Um, But obviously it's revealed differently in the drama. We get drips and drabs as we understand what's going on. But we do find out that the webtoon writer. So, you know, our female lead's dad, um, actually at the time that he was first creating this comic book character, Kung Chul and this story, and, you know, this, this massacre of his family when he's young and Kung Chul going to jail and all this stuff, that this point where Kung Chul is st- standing on the bridge and about to jump off was meant to be the very last scene in basically a failed web. Webtoon comic that this um, artist had created. So Yonju's dad was at a really low point in his life. We see, I'm pretty sure at this point he's like he's drinking, heaps, like his wife leaves him, like everything is shit, and so his his webtoon is is basically completely failing. It's not going well, and he decides to just end it. And how he's going to end his webtoon is with Kangchul killing himself and dying. And that'll be the end, which I've got to say, what a dark fucking story. I'd be really upset if I'd been following the webtoon. Uh, but anyway, but a strange thing happens. Um, and we realize this a lot later in the drama, but at that point, the webtoon draws itself. So uh, Yonju's dad didn't actually, he draws the scene where Kung Chul jumps and he writes, End. But he doesn't draw the next scene, which is Kung Chul's hand grabbing onto the railing and him hauling himself back up and him deciding that he doesn't want to die and that his life's purpose is to get revenge and find the culprit. So very interesting. It's this idea that Kung Chul from this point on, like he, he makes a choice, he makes a decision. And after this, even though, you know, Yonju's dad as the creator of the webtoon, he's still writing it. He's still making things happen. But at the same time, there's this idea that Kang Chul has a will. And if something, you know, if he doesn't like kind of, I guess it, what am I trying to say? <laughs> you know, he has human will he can make his own decision. So even though he's guided by the webtoon creator at all times, if it's going the complete wrong way and he wants it to go a different way, it will happen. But of course, Kang Chul doesn't know that he's inside a webtoon. But as he's trying to investigate this, you know, the story of the culprit and who's the person who murdered his family, he's also getting suspicious about weird things you know like why is there no evidence like what's going on like there's this sense in him that even though you know, it would never fucking occur to this guy that he was the lead character in a webtoon, obviously, there is this part of him that knows that something is off in the world, like something isn't right. And he doesn't know what that is. And I think what he thinks it is, is like something to do with the culprit, something to do with the crime, maybe a cover up or a conspiracy. But he knows like he can feel that something is wrong which I thought was really, really interesting because then, you know, as that leads through the dra- the drama and Kang-chul becomes more aware of, you know, who he actually is, as in a cartoon character, um, it really, I could buy it that he would accept this, that he would believe that, you know, like it gets to a point where he gets told that and he believes it. And I think if it had just come out of the blue, I'd be like, why would he have believed that? Like, as if, if someone walks up to you and says, hey, did you know that you're the lead character in a webtoon? You'd be like, fuck right off. Like, that's really stupid. But Kang Chul doesn't. He believes it. And I think because they kind of thread through this thing with his character where he just, he knows something isn't right. And there's a few different instances of basically, um, when we kind of catch up with him again, um, uh, Yonju's dad, as a webtoon creator, you know, as far as, I guess, all the millions of people in Korea who are reading this webtoon story, you know, as far as they're concerned, constantly stuff is happening to Kang Chul and he's almost dying. So it's like, a you know, very thrilling in the story of the comic book. They're like, oh my gosh, this truck just came out of nowhere and tried to squish him or, you know, this person tried to shoot him. And always Kung Chul just, just manages to pull through or survive or get away. And we realize as viewers of the drama that yonju's dad the creator of the webtoon he's actually trying to kill his character he is absolutely fucking terrified even though ever since kang chul started making his own decisions in the webtoon you know our webtoon creator has become very very famous very successful very rich there's a part of him that is terrified you know, this is a bit weird. His character has making his own decisions, is drawing his own life. And the webtoon creator has no control over what happens in this story. And he's very, very afraid. And we find like, you know, weird, creepy drawings and shit <laughs> that the Yonji's dad has made where basically he thinks that Kung Chul might be a monster, that he might have created a monster. And it's what he wants is to kill this guy, to stop the comic and to walk away. And he's tried to just walk away, but it just keeps going without him. So he like, you know, he's trying to stay involved. So he has at least a semblance of control over the story. Um, So basically, Yonju's dad is fucking terrified because it's really, really scary. And we do also find out a lot later that he's been sucked into the comic book, so of course he's absolutely fucking terrified of the whole thing and is absolutely terrified of Kang Chul, even though Kang Chul hasn't done anything. Like, he's just, you know, this really charming, rich, cool dude swanning around in his little life. But the webtoon creator has no control over him, and that terrifies Yeonju's dad, Uh, So yeah, all super, super interesting, I think, at the start. And I I loved the idea of Kang Chul just sort of having this weird control over and steering his own story. Like, there's so much there about... I don't know, it's just that idea of fate versus, you know, decision making and you having control over your own choices, um, which I found, you know, I always find that really interesting, that idea of, you know, is it fate or destiny or, you know, do you, can you make your own choices and can you change the pathway that you're on? And I think this drama kind of explores that a lot from, you know, a very different sort of perspective because we're talking about a webtoon creator who's drawing Kang Chul and Kang Chul who's like, nah, I'm not going to die, basically. But of course, through the process of constantly trying to kill Kung Chul, Kung Chul is seeing some weird shit happening in his world. So for instance, like, you know, I don't remember when it happens in the drama, but like a big truck buried down on him, like tries to squish him out of absolutely nowhere where a truck shouldn't be. And Kung chuls is like, I don't, I'm pretty sure he's like, he doesn't see a driver in it or, you know, there's just weird stuff like that happening all the time. So that gives him this feeling that He's kind of looking for an explanation, but he can't figure out what it could possibly be so meanwhile anyway we have yonju who's in the real world uh doctor in this hospital and she finds out that her dad has gone missing so she's freaking out she goes to you know her dad's house the webtoon guy and she's she's talking a lot to the webtoons like she's sort of um i guess her sidekick and trying to sort all this mess out ends up being um her dad's uh, assistant artist who is played by an actor called Lee Xiun, and he plays a character called subong and subong or sorry this this actor is in a lot of different stuff um I just keep seeing him perk up as like kind of quirky side characters a lot in dramas lately. Um, He's very, very fun in this. Um, I really enjoyed him. Uh, So anyway, um, Yeonju is kind of like, she's looking around the house. Everything's really dark and creepy. Doesn't know where the dad is. They're all freaking out. Um, And she's kind of standing in front of his like drawing tablet. And then suddenly a hand comes out of it. It grabs her and sucks her in and suddenly she's inside the webtoon. And what she sees is herself standing on top of the roof of, you know, some mad, skyscrapery kind of building. It's nighttime. The whole city is like, you know, all around her glittering. And basically Kung Chul, the main character of the webtoon, is lying on the ground in front of her. And he's been, I think he's been stabbed up multiple times and he's got a white shirt on and he's absolutely covered in blood all over him and he's dying. And he looks very handsome because his hair is like swept back and you can see those eyebrows. (laughs) Just a little side note in there to add Um, but you know, it's very intense scene. And so she freaks out, but she's a doctor. So she kind of like, she manages to save him. And I think she does that thing where she shoves a pen in his lung and he kind of wakes up for a second and he stares at her and they have this like really crazy charged moment where they're looking at each other and then he goes unconscious, but she saved his life. And then, you know, I guess hotel staff turn up and ambulance turns up and she's just freaking out and they're like, who are you? What's going on? And basically she realizes that um, (laughs) it takes her a little while to realize she's inside the webcomic, which I think is, you know, fair enough. Um, but the, the big problem is, of course, that the police are now very interested in Yonju. They're like, you know, who is this mysterious rooftop doctor who saved Kung Chul? Kung Chul is very, very famous in this world. Um, but Yonju's, you know, like little ID says she works at a hospital that doesn't exist, isn't at the address that her ID says it, you know, is at. She has no, I don't know, social security number, whatever they have in Korea. They have one of those like number things. Um, And, you know, so basically she doesn't exist in this world. And the police are looking for her in connection to the very, very famous Kung Chul getting stabbed up on a rooftop. So she's in trouble. (laughs) She's like in a lot of trouble. Um, And basically from here, things just get, I mean, this is just the, like, I think this is the first episode, right? And stuff gets so madly twisty. Um, but she sort of gets in and out of the, the webtoon, um, and meeting up with Kang Chul and Kung Chul, when he kind of sees her, she saves his life again. You know, she goes into the webtoon and we kind of realize that what's kind of bringing her into the webtoon is sometimes it's Kung Chul is kind of sucking her in because he needs to be saved. And sometimes she just doesn't want him to die because her dad keeps trying to kill him. Right. So, um, her dad is like drawing when, when Kung Chul's in hospital, their dad's drawing like this, this evil nurse who suddenly tries to, you know, like inject him with poison and kill him. And this poor nurse who gets arrested is like, I don't know why I did it. Like, it's really weird. So I would never do that. Um, so he's just, you know, he's really being a very scary creator who, just out to kill Kang Chul but oh uh, Yonju doesn't want him to die. Um, and we do also find out later in the drama that you know the whole idea of kung Chul was basically based on her drawings of him as a kid and I'm like is it kind of weird that she created her perfect man and then he came to life because her dad made him and then she falls in love with him. I was like, hmm that's kind of weird but also I'm here for it and it's fine. <laughs> Um, but basically when Kung Chul finally meets Yonju properly, like he has this vague memory of her from the roof. Um, but you know, he was fucking dying at the time and covered in blood. So he doesn't fully remember it. Um, but when he properly meets her and she saves her him again, and he's just like, he feels like she's the key to whatever this mad mystery is in his life that he just cannot fathom. And he has no idea what this mystery is, but he knows it exists. He feels it in his heart and he knows that she is the key to all of it. And so he, you know, very single-mindedly is after her from that point on, not in a scary way, but more in a flirty way. (laughs) This dude is so fucking flirty. Like he just flirts at her so intensely hard. And I thought it was fucking hilarious. I really, really liked it. Um, so yeah, he's, he's trying to figure out who she is, but you know, she, she's basically like, I cannot get picked up by the police. I cannot tell you who I am. I really don't exist, um, in this world, but she also doesn't want to tell him the truth, you know? That he's a webtoon character, so from there, basically, uh, I probably won't go into any more details because I feel like that's a huge amount of setup already. But Yonju keeps flipping back and forth between the real world and the webtoon, she keeps popping in there to help Kung Chul every time her dad is trying to murder her. And then eventually, Kung Chul flips into the real world. And then, as things progress, you know, this the whole thing is about for Kung Chul, anyway, it's like who's the culprit. Who did it? And we've seen the culprit in the webtoon, but we never see his face because we don't know who it is. But as the webtoon creator, Yeonju's dad eventually admits, he doesn't know who it is either. It's just a faceless nothing that he created. Like there was no culprit. It was him. Obviously he's the culprit because he's the one who drew the comic. But the problem is he's created a faceless, non-existent culprit And this culprit does exist in the comic book world, and that is some scary shit. Um, When, like Kung Chul, who is using his own will to change the direction of his life against his creator's will, it's very scary when the culprit, who is literally a faceless nothing, also begins using its will to change its own course in the comic so it's crazy absolutely crazy stuff um really interesting all right i think that was enough setup i'm going to get into some stuff that i loved about w2 worlds apart gosh i really talk a lot don't i it's crazy can you believe there used to be a time when on my podcast each episode was only like 40 minutes <laughs> I can't even imagine it. How could you only talk for 40 minutes about a whole K-drama? I feel like it would be impossible. I reckon I'd probably talk for longer than 40 minutes, just about one episode of a K-drama, which is, you know, only slightly longer than 40 minutes itself. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I've got plenty more to talk about on W, Two Worlds Apart, so I'll just get stuck into that. Um, I'm going to chat now about the stuff that I loved about the show. Uh, So... I think one of the biggest things for me was just the ideas. Um, I think it's a really unique concept, but I think the way it was executed was also really, really unique. Um, Just it was like, I don't know, it was like building layer upon layer upon layer of twists and really unexpected directions for the story and the plot. There were so many times I was like, this feels like there's nowhere else to go from here. And then something wholly unique and strange and unexpected would be introduced to the plot. And suddenly we'd be tearing off in a direction that like, I not just didn't expect, but couldn't have even fathomed that was going to be a possibility. Like, there's really some mad stuff in here. Um, and I found that really fun. I think it's really fun to watch something so twisty and unique where the twists actually makes sense to the story. And I think that's another thing I really liked about this is I feel, you know, when you're building a fantasy world and particularly, you know, something that doesn't have the same rules as our real world, I love the idea of writers thinking quite logically about, okay, so sure, he's a he's a comic book character, what what does that mean? And what are the rules? And what can and can't he do? And what can and can't the the creator of the comic book do? And then breaking those rules, but giving us satisfying explanations for how that works now that things have twisted once again. So I feel like that was done really well, like particularly maybe the second half, because I feel like The first half is really, really twisty. You don't know what's going on, but it really just sets up this idea of okay, so he's in the comic, she's not in the comic, but she can, you know, cross over during these kind of things and for these kind of reasons, and this is what it means. But the kind of repercussions of that end up being quite different to what you expect, um, with him, you know, actually turning up in the real world. And then particularly, I thought for me, once they introduce the concept of the culprit, who basically doesn't exist other than the webtoon creator occasionally drawing a shadowy figure in his comic, um, once they introduce him or it really, cause it doesn't, you know, it's not even a real thing. It's just, um, a concept almost as, as a character that has wants and has a drive and, you know, the scariest thing has a purpose and the purpose has been given to it by the Webtoon creator. Like that really led in some directions that I thought were very, very interesting and really surprised me. And also, I think that I found deeply creepy at times. Um, I think one of my favorite things, like I said, that sort of, it's that discussion, which is probably done a lot in fantasy, I suppose, um, that discussion between fate and destiny or human will and human choice. And this drama delves into it around Kung Chul's character. Like it's fascinating when Kung Chul is kind of discovering, you know, that kind of stuff and how it breaks him to realize that he was created, you know, by a webtoon writer and that every decision he made up until a certain point wasn't even his own. It was someone else's. Like it destroys him. But I think that same kind of conversation between human will and fate, when the writer of this drama gives that kind of theme and idea to the actual culprit, that was so weird and creepy and interesting. Like the idea that, you know, Yonju's dad, as the webtoon creator, has given this culprit a purpose. And the culprit's only reason to exist in the webtoon is to kill Kung Chul's family and be an antagonist to the hero of the story. So if Kung Chul is the hero, the culprit has to be the bad guy. And as that story progresses, oh, I don't know, it was just so fascinating, I think, because um, there's this idea, I suppose, that's introduced. I'm just skipping around all over the place, but there's this, this idea that's introduced where, you know, they've both got a purpose, right? Kung Chul's is to be the hero the culprits is to be the anti-hero or not an anti-hero, sorry, like the antagonist. And so if Kung Chul doesn't win and the culprit loses, then the culprit will have to win and Kung Chul will have to lose. Like It's a story and therefore it has the rules of a story. And every story is kind of... Anyway, I don't know if I'm making any sense. Um, It's very twisty and turny, but I really liked all that stuff. I thought it was so dark and interesting, particularly the faceless stuff, you know, and and the culprit being like, I want a face, you know, he wants, it wants to exist. Oh, so creepy. Loved it. Okay, moving on. Next thing on my list of stuff that I loved about W Two Worlds Apart was how fucking flirty Kung Chul is. Um, <laughs> that was amazing. I totally didn't expect it because, you know, they sort of paint him like he's just you know, he's got a tragic past, but now he's like, you know, a billionaire, charming CEO kind of type dude. who's like, you know, just wearing the dumbest shit, I have to say. He looks so funny, some of the stuff he wears. But, you know, he's a real like kind of super swaggery, like swanning around town, being real cool, getting his photos taken while he does, I don't know, cool fighting and stuff. Like he's just so you know, larger than life comic book hero kind of a dude. And then when, as soon as he meets Yonju, like the flirting is so intense. Like He's always like making jokes and suggestive stuff and winking at her. And it always like, it just really caught me off guard. I don't know why. I feel like, I feel like I'm so used to maybe cranky, more cranky dude sort of male leads in K-dramas. Like, you know, that tortured background and, and real cold and snappy or angry kind of characters and I feel like I'm a lot less used to someone who is just so in the female lead's face flirty nonstop like I really really enjoyed it. I mean he's you know he's not flirty the whole time cuz he has a lot of other stuff he has to do like get shot get tortured, <laughs> fall off a bridge multiple times, drown. So, I mean, he's a very busy dude, but he certainly finds a lot of time in between all those, you know, almost murders to, I don't know, wink at Yonju quite often and obviously take her out for a shopping montage and stuff like that. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought that was really fun. Um, I really liked Yi Jong suk in this. I liked that balance between, I suppose, just the level. There is a little bit of... Oh, I don't want to say comedy. It doesn't feel right that it's exactly comedy, but just that flirty stuff, which was quite funny, quite charming. And, and then on the flip side, this, you know, very serious action hero stuff that was going on as well. So, yeah, I thought he was really, really good in this, um, which is great because I think, you know, like I said at the start of the episode, he hasn't always been a favorite for me. And I'm kind of glad if I can watch his dramas and enjoy them now. And, you know, as long as he keeps that hair, you know, push back and gets rid of the puff mushroom haircut, then I'm, I'm into it. It's great. Uh, So I really, really like um, Han Hyo Joo in this. Um, You know, I just think she's very warm and likable and relatable. And also at the start of the drama, quite funny. Like, you know, I think her role is to be quite reacting to all this weird stuff that's happening. You know, when she goes into the comic book, it's a pretty overwhelming experience. And it's very funny kind of seeing her you know, trying to get out of these ridiculous situations all the time that make no sense without giving away, you know, because as far as everyone in the comic book would think, she's completely crazy if she actually says any of these things that are happening to her. So I think that was very fun. And um, yeah, she's super charming in this and very, very beautiful. Um, One thing, and I think might possibly be my absolute favorite thing about the drama is, this whole sequence of, you know, Yonju goes in a lot of the early stuff in the drama, there is, you know, it is a lot of it played for comedy. Like, it's very funny. Like, it's very highly dramatic. There's a lot of, you know, blood and shooting and stuff as well. Um, so it's very high stakes. But at the same time, there's this huge level of comedy when Yonju finds herself unexpectedly in the comic book and can't always get home and is sort of getting, you know, Kung Chul is just sort of ferrying her around and bringing her back to his big, you know, weird penthouse place and seeing her react to everything is very, very amusing. So I feel like a lot of the story is that kind of fish out of water, isn't this kind of funny kind of stuff. But then there's this scene and I just, oh, it's so cool. So there's this whole thing where Yonju realizes that if she wants to leave the comic book and go back home, she has to create some sort of emotional reaction in Kang Chul that would signify like the end of a segment or a chapter or, uh, you know, like an episode, basically. Which makes so much sense, right? If you think of every episode of a K-drama, they're really good when they end on, you know, a one of those freeze frames of one of these moments. Either someone's really shocked or someone's just about to, like, kiss and make out. Like, it's, you know, it's always this big emotional moment for the hero. Um, so she realizes That she needs to create that, and so there's some real funny stuff where she like you know grabs him and kisses him, and he's so shocked that she you know that's the end of that episode, and she gets out of the she manages to get out of the the webtoon or whatever. Um, And another time she like flashes him her underwear, which is very very funny stuff. So like this heaps of real funny comedy moments. But eventually Yonju, who like I said, she doesn't exist in this world, but the police are after her, which is you know very complicated. She ends up getting arrested, and. I think, I don't know, she's getting, I guess she must be getting arrested for like being involved in trying to murder Kang Chul just because she can't explain who she is or why she was there or where she's from. Um, So basically she ends up like in a little jail jumpsuit in a little jail and he's sitting across from her and he, he knows he, he hasn't seen her disappear before, but he knows she has. And she kind of explains, it's really intense. So, he's asking her to tell him what's going on and she is so like i loved it it could have been played for laughs i suppose this this part of the story where he actually realizes that he's a webtoon character that he is inside a comic book you could choose to play that as a light thing for laughs you could choose to have him you know be real shocked and over the top and be like whoa but instead it's it's Oh, they lean into it in such an emotional and heavy way. I feel like the writers actually sat there and said, if you were living your life and you realized that none of it was real, how would that really make you feel? And of course, it destroys him. Like it is the fucking most awful, intensely terrible thing that Kung Chul has ever experienced. Even worse than his his family being massacred in front of him because now he knows his family didn't even exist. That all the pain he's gone through all these years isn't even real. That he is not real. What is any of it for? What is his purpose? Like, it's absolutely awful. Like, I felt so sorry for him. Like, he is crushed. And I loved that Yonju doesn't want to tell him and she holds off on telling him for so long and eventually like she has to because she needs to disappear out of the jail she has to get out it's her only way to get out of this jail is to shock him so that she can leave and he wants to know this thing and she she says to him you know like you're gonna regret it like i don't want to tell you i really don't want to tell you and she doesn't want to tell him but she cares about him you know, she's grown up loving this character. She's his fan. She adores him. She doesn't want to hurt him. So it's just such a powerful scene. And I loved I don't want to say I loved seeing him get crushed. <laughs> I just love that the dra- like the drama kind of takes the time to explore what that really means. Like it's not a funny thing. It's devastating. He nothing around him matters. He doesn't even exist. Oh, it was so good. I loved it. Uh, So that's when things in the drama, I think, really just get crazy. So um, Kang Chul ends up coming across into the real world because once he kind of is fully aware of how things are, you know, we know he has a lot of power in the comic. He's able to change the direction of events. And then it turns out he has power around moving between the real world and the comic as well, which I thought was really cool and unexpected. So he turns up in the real world. He grabs Yeonju and makes out with her at some point, which was all very nice and I liked it a lot. And then he heads down to, you know, meet her dad. And her dad, the webtoon creator, is absolutely horrified. Um, Pretty sure is a right dick as well and is all like, ha ha, you don't have the guts to kill me. And then Chul is like, yes, I fucking do. And he shoots him. And I was like, whoa, Kangshul is a murderer now. Um, So that was all very surprising. Um, And then ultimately leads to Kangshul... Dying, like jumping off a bridge, going back to his original point, to the first decision that was his own decision, and ending his life. And you know, feel that feels like the end, but of course it isn't, and a lot of other mad stuff happens after that, including a total reset in which, you know, Yonju sort of realizes he's in status. He's not dead, he's not alive, he doesn't exist, but he sort of does. And she she just makes the whole thing because of course, everything that's happened with Yonju going into the comic has been documented in the comic. So all the real world people, the fans of the comic have been watching this really strange direction. The comic book has gone in and are like, what the fuck is happening? Like, this is so odd. So she kind of like turns it all in a circle and makes it that it was a dream. Um, and that everything's actually still normal. And the whole initial scene where he gets stabbed up on the rooftop and goes to hospital, when he wakes up in the hospital, it turns out like all this other mad stuff that happened with her was just a dream. Um, But of course, this means that he no longer remembers her, but she keeps getting dragged into the webtoon and she just has to silently watch him live his life, even though she's in love with him and she has to pretend she doesn't know him. So it's all very sad and devastating. Um, So what else? What else did I love? Uh, I've kind of actually talked about this, but I've just written, I love the idea of the faceless culprit searching for his purpose and existence. It's so scary, Um, particularly because he wants a face and the dad actually, you know, Yonju's dad gives the culprit his own face. The second he did that, I was like, this is the worst fucking idea ever. And I was right. Because the next thing is Yonju's dad no longer has his own face. Like he's a faceless skin sack of a skin man thing. And it's Fucking horrifying and very surprising and amazing. All right. Uh, oh, so I've written here too. I really love that in the end of the webtoon and, you know, the whole story, the K drama, I guess, it turns out that the very scary, faceless culprit isn't even the big bad of the story. It is, of course, the evil lawyer from the start, the ambitious one who wants to, you know, move into politics. And this is however many years later, and he has moved into politics and he's a very scary guy and he ends up being you know, the main bad guy of the story, which was really surprising because it means the faceless culprit actually gets dealt with a lot earlier than you expect. You kind of expect him to last till the last episode. So it's a real shock when Kang Chul just like shoots this guy in the face and then he dies. I was like, what? (laughs) I can't believe it. I loved all the webtoon art. I thought that was really cool. I just thought it looked great. Um, I loved the webtoon artist. So Yonju's dad's assistant. So I mentioned him before, played by the actor Lee Xion. Um, So this character's name is Subong. I loved his outfits. He just wears the funniest shit and is... I don't know. He doesn't even have like actual glass in his glasses. And he's just such a little sweet weirdo. And I enjoyed him a lot. I thought he was great. I think potentially another of my absolute most favorite things about the whole drama was this other really random side character who is Yonju's boss at work. So he's a doctor played by an actor called Ho Dong-do, and his character is Park Min-soo. So Park Min-soo is yeon doctor boss in the hospital, and he is the biggest fan of the webtoon ever. He's obsessed with it. And he's just, like, so horrified when yeon you know, who he works with every day starts getting written into the webtoon, And then obviously the story starts going bonkers with all this, like, you know, passing between the real world and the webtoon and like all this magic stuff and alternate worlds. And he just like, he hates it so much. And so he always just takes it out on Yonju, and he's always just yelling at her. And I loved it because I felt like he was sort of the embodiment of all of us K-drama viewers who Get so caught up in these stories, you know. Whether these stories make you sob or laugh, or you know, absolutely furious when something that you loved takes a turn for the worst, and you're such a fan of it, and you felt like it was so close to being perfect, and then something goes wrong, and you're like, How the fuck could this happen? Like, I loved this, I'm so upset. I just felt like he. Oh, I felt like he was me, (laughs) like too invested in in the things that I'm a fan of, basically K-drama. So yeah, I loved him. I thought he was just bloody brilliant. Uh, So I loved bloody Kang Chul's ridiculous clothes. He just, just wore the weirdest shit. Like there's one point where he's just, he's like donned a black shirt, but it's not just a black shirt. It's a black shirt with like weird embroidered stringy bits poking up on the shoulders and just weird stripy suits and just the weirdest fucking clothes. I don't know. I guess he's supposed to look really rich, but I just thought he looked fucking bonkers. But it was quite fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I loved the idea in the webtoon that as Kang Chul changes his character's purpose you know, and characters, you know, like once, for instance, Yonju gets introduced into the webtoon as his love interest, it means that a character that had initially been written as a love interest has no purpose in the story. So this was a side character played by the actress Dong Ujin. Um, and when you have no purpose, you begin to fade away, which is terrifying. And so, of course, this also happens with Kang Chul himself, because as the culprit begins to win, it kind of means that Kang Chul is losing his purpose. Like, unless his purpose is to beat the culprit and save the day and solve the murder of his family, like, why is there a webchin at all? So when he's not fulfilling his purpose, as was written, he no longer exists. So there's some real scary stuff there which I really, really liked. Um, I think I've got one more thing here. Uh, Oh, and I just, uh, I'm saying, I just loved kind of towards the end of the drama when Kung Chul finally kind of starts to understand how to control the world and his environment. It's really fun making, like he gets to a point where he realizes he can flip in between the real world and the web tune and he has a lot more control over stuff and he starts sort of like going after the culprit and that stuff was super fun and cool and I really liked it. All right, now I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that I didn't love as much. Alrighty, so here's the stuff that I didn't love quite as much about W. Um, this is a really random list and I don't know why I wrote these things down. Um, the first thing that I didn't love was the puff mushroom haircut. Um, but I did love the eyebrows I've written, but that's in the wrong section. But definitely puff mushroom, mm not into it. Um, so even though I added Kang Chul's terrible clothes to the stuff that I loved because I did love them, they were also actually completely terrible. So I have to add them to this list of stuff that I didn't love. So as you can see, these are all very superficial things. Um, but I guess I'll just continue with this weird list that I've written. Um, one thing I absolutely hated about the show was that in Kang Chul's, you know, big penthouse, which was inside his webtoon, uh, he, he has all these like security dudes inside his house, which is fine. You know, people keep trying to murder him. I understand this. But he has this big bedroom and his big bedroom has a big bed in it right near the big bedroom door. And the big bedroom door is a fucking sheet of glass that's like on automatic doors. So like you walk towards them and they just automatically open and they're glass. So they're like, look, fair enough. There's like a frosted strip. So you can't fully, fully see through it. But if you bent down and like looked at knee level, you would literally be looking through sheer glass at Kung Chul's bed. So when Kung Chul has Yeonju over in, in his bed, his security guards can just fucking, and his maids, he has so many maids, like a thousand maids. And I'm like, they can see through this door. I just don't understand. I like privacy. And I just felt extremely upset about these doors. They were so upsetting. And they were also, it was so upsetting that his security guards just kept walking into his bedroom. They just kept walking in. And then him and like Yonju, were like, I don't know, about to make out in the bed. And they're like, oh! and I'm like, why are these men in your bedroom, Kang Cho? Like, get yourself a real door that doesn't open automatically when someone walks near it and get yourself a big lock. And then, I don't know, put a curtain up or some shit. I just thought it was insane. And it, I found it really weirdly distracting, the whole drama, <laughs> but that's probably just me. Um, so something else that, again, I found this so distracting and I hated it, was there's this whole scene. So once Kang Chul forgets Yonju, Yonju gets sucked back into the webtoon and she gets sucked into the webtoon into the hospital. So she's hanging around the hospital and she's like, shit, I can't get back to the real world because it's like the chapter has to end, but she has no control over when this chapter ends for when she can go home. And she doesn't want to go up to Kang Chul and try and shock him so that she can go home because she doesn't want him to remember her. Because if he remembers her, then, you know, everything will go to shit. Basically, she's trying to just let him live his life and complete his purpose as the hero of a webtoon. So she goes and she's just sitting in this hospital and she's like, she's sort of pretending that she works there, but she can't let anyone come too close to her because they'll realize her idea is wrong, that she, Isn't meant to be there. So she's just sort of hanging out. She's running around. She's like scrounging food out of like, I don't know, little food places, (laughs) stealing stuff. And basically, a whole week passes. I think it's a week. Yes, something like that. I reckon it's a week. And you know, she's exhausted. She hasn't slept. She hasn't eaten she hasn't showered, she hasn't brushed her teeth, and then she goes and breaks into, you know, the Webtoon's second female lead's apartment to try and eat some food, and then Kung Chul finds her, and, you know, she hasn't showered in a week, and that's fine, she's been wearing the same clothes for a week, and that's fine, I get it, she's in distress, but then, I don't know what happens, but I feel like she goes back to her real world for a while, and she's running around, for like, I don't know, another day freaking out because I think, is this the point where her dad's face disappears or some shit? I don't know. And so she's wearing the same clothes and she still hasn't showered and she still hasn't brushed her teeth. And then when she goes back to the webtoon, it's like one of these scenes where time goes really quickly. So a whole month passes. She's just standing on the side of the road and the whole world just moves really quickly because it's like, you know, it's a time skip in the webtoon that it skips forward. So another month. So now we're talking a month, a week, and at least 24 hours since this woman has had a shower or brushed her teeth. And then she goes into the penthouse or she goes somewhere and Kang-shul's on the run at this point or some shit and he because everyone thinks he murdered somebody and so you know his bodyguard is like to Yondu, oh you got to get a bus out here and get a train over there and you know he'll come pick you up at this weird place in the country so off she goes and she still hasn't showered I was like can't you let this poor woman shower in your shower first but they didn't and then Kang-shul comes and picks her up and she's wearing the same clothes as she was like <laughs> a month and a half ago. <laughs> and then they have this like really romantic moment in, in, in the place. And uh, it was just too long. I really just, I, it got to a point where I was just tracking it so intensely. I was like, and there's this moment where she's like, I'm going to go shower. And then he stops her before she does. So they can have this really important revelation, very kind of conversation. And I was like, I wish the drama had just let this woman shower first so that I could be kind of more into the romantic scenes <laughs> at this point without constantly thinking about her having not brushed her teeth for over a month. So I don't know why, but my, my mind really sticks on these kind of things. Like I get very upset in dramas when there's something like this. It really just like, oh, I can't get it out of my head. Um, so another thing that really bothers me, this isn't something that I particularly noticed in this drama, but I'm just going to share it here because why not? Um, this happens in every movie and TV show I've ever seen in my life you have the characters and they'll walk into an apartment or a room or some sort of, you know, space. And usually it's an apartment and they go into the apartment and maybe they start making out like in in there or whatever, but they never shut the door. They never shut the fucking door to their apartment. And then they're just like getting it on. And I'm just like, all I needed to see like was a one second scene where someone just push that door shut and then I would be okay. And I would be able to, you know, just get into the show and enjoy whatever it is that you're watching. And, you know, if it's a romantic scene and you're meant to be swooning, but instead of swooning, I'm like, no one shut the door. Everyone who's walking by in the hallway can see this this couple like making out. So there you go. It's just like a little window into my overactive mind and the very weird things that I think about sometimes. So there you go. And finally, the last thing that I didn't love, and actually this wasn't a problem at all, but why was the comic, the webtoon called W? I would have liked to know. I'm sure there was an explanation, but I feel like I missed it. All right, so the end of W, Two Worlds Apart, I... I liked it. Um, I feel that everything in the twists and turns was very logical, like logical to the writing of the story. Like I feel like it all made sense up until potentially at the time it didn't bother me. But the more I think about the very end, the less sure I am about how it happened. And I'm really glad it did because I guess I am a romantic at heart who loves a happy ending and really was glad to see that this couple can be together at the end. But I realize I'm not entirely sure how they got to be together at the end. Um so I'm just trying to remember even what happened at the end. Um, you know, Kangshul goes up against the evil lawyer, the evil lawyer. Just tortures the shit out of Kung Chul like multiple times. He gets really, really severely injured. Um, and then as far as Yonju knows, he dies. And that's the end of the drama. So that's uh, the end of the webtoon. Sorry. So the webtoon stops, that's how it ends, and it's a really sad ending for all these millions of fans who loved it. And as far as Yonju knows, that's it. He's dead. Her love, her husband, is dead. But we see, as a viewer of the drama, that the story within the webtoon actually continues. And actually, he's fine. It's all good. Don't worry about it. And then he kind of cleans up all his loose ends. He beats the lawyer. Doesn't beat him with a stick or whatever, but he wins in their fight. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I'm pretty sure the lawyer kills himself. It's pretty dark. Hmm. Anyway, uh, and so, you know, it all ends. It ends well for all the characters. So basically, Kang Chul has a happy ending. And then at the end of the drama, he shows up in the real world and gets to hang out with Yeonju. And life is great. And they get to be together. But if the webtoon finished, why did the world of the webtoon continue? Because if the webtoon finished, shouldn't that world no longer exist because the characters would have fulfilled their purpose? I don't know. And if that's the case, does that world just continue on forever, even if Kung Chul leaves it and lives in the real world with Yonju? And if it does, is that weird? I don't know so interesting. Like when I watched it, I was just like, this is great. They're happy. I'm happy because they're happy. And I really, you know, I didn't really want Kang Chul to die and there to be this big, sad ending. I wasn't, I don't know. It didn't feel like that kind of show to me, even though it was so high stakes and twisty and turny. I, I did want a happy romantic ending. So I think I felt really satisfied and happy with that. And ultimately I do. I actually feel really happy and satisfied with the show and with the way the show ended. But when I actually like get into the nitty gritty of trying to figure out how it ended, I'm kind of like left a little bit stumped of, hmm, how did that actually work? Which is fine. Like I doesn't, I mean, maybe it should bother me, but it kind of doesn't bother me. Um, but at the same time, I have to say every other twist in the drama was so tight. Like it made sense. I felt like it made sense why things happened. The logic of the world made sense, but I'm not sure if I fully understand that ending, and how that logically worked within the rules that the show had set up for this, you know, these two different worlds in the show. But it really didn't actually bother me, I have to say, just because I was so desperate for a happy ending. Although the ending of her dad was less happy and it really destroyed my heart quite a lot. That made me really sad. He had such a rough time of it and he wasn't a bad dude and I felt so sorry for him. Oh my gosh, I'd kind of forgotten about that. So anyway, I think I'm done talking about this drama, which I waffled on about for quite a while, as I tend to do um, every week. So yes, I'm going to stop talking now. Um, But thank you very much for listening. And um, oh, I am supposed to always end these. I forgot with my favorite thing and my least favorite thing. I think my favorite thing about W two worlds apart, other than very flirty Kung Chul, um, and how funny I thought that was would probably be Yonju's doctor, um, superior guy at work and how just like ultimately too invested he was in the webtoon and how upset and angry and like yelly he got about the fact that it wasn't really doing what he wanted it to. And I felt like his whole fanboy experience of him loving the webtoon just felt like, it felt like my life and I really, really enjoyed seeing that portrayed in this drama. I enjoyed that so much. Uh, it's such a small part, but it just threaded through the whole drama and it was just so funny. It made me laugh every single time. It was great. Um Yes, it was brilliant. Uh, I also loved his whole thing about, you know, watching the, you know, going onto the webtoon to see the very last episode and how he's just so like, he's so empty at the end of it. And it was just, I don't know, even though he'd had so much trouble with it and it hadn't ended the way he wanted or all the plot hadn't been exactly how he wanted, he still like, it holds this special place in his heart and his life. And I don't know, I related to that so much. I thought it was beautiful. Um, And then the thing I didn't like Hmm, I guess the puff mushroom on top of Yi Dong-suk's head it was no good. I didn't like it. Um, all right, I think that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking about W2 Worlds Apart, which is a 16-episode fantasy romance drama from 2016 starring Han Hyo-joo and Yi Dong-suk. Thank you for listening. brings me to the very end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to me waffle on at length about K-drama. I always have so much fun, so I really hope it's fun for you guys to listen to, especially at the moment while the world is as it is. um, I find myself increasingly turning to K-drama to make me happy and feeling so grateful that there is things like that um, to give us so much joy. That sounds so cheesy, but it's true. So I hope you guys are getting a Lot of joy out of K drama as well and looking after yourselves wherever you are located around the world um, as always I just want to say a huge 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 thank you to all those lovely lovely listeners who support the show on patreon I am just constantly astounded <laughs> by the fact that people like the show enough to do that um, and it really really means a huge deal to me um, I obviously am a busy person this is kind of like a side hobby you know I have a day job I have a lot of things and I don't have a lot of time and even though I love making this podcast so much um, I have to admit there are times when I do think my life would be a lot easier to manage if I didn't Um, and just having that realization that there are people who care about what I do enough to support me in that way really drives me onwards. It's a huge encouragement. So um, yeah, don't underestimate how that makes me feel. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, all right. I'm going to stop waffling on at you guys. Um, hope you'll tune in again next week for some more K-drama goodness. Thank you so very much for listening. Bye.